And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, October the 6th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, on October 6, 1973, war erupted in the Middle East as Egypt and Syria launched a surprise attack on Israel. This was during the Yom Kippur holiday, starting a nearly three-week conflict that would become known as the Yom Kippur War. Today, in 1536, English theologian and scholar William Tyndale, he was the first to translate the Bible into modern, early modern English. He was not liked among some of his day. They executed him for heresy. Today, in 1927, the era of talking pictures arrived with the opening of The Jazz Singer, starring Al Jolson, a feature containing both silent and sound-synchronized sequences. We have come a long way with videos, haven't we? Today, in 1928, Chiang Kai-shek became president of China. Today, in 1939, in a speech to the Reichstag, Adolf Hitler spoke about his plans to reorder the ethnic layout of Europe. He specifically said his plan would entail settling the Jewish problem. Today in 2010, the social networking app Instagram was launched. Today in 2014, the Supreme Court unexpectedly cleared the way for a dramatic expansion of so-called gay marriage in the United States. It rejected appeals from five states seeking to preserve their bans, effectively making these so-called marriages legal in 30 states. And today in 2018, Brett Kavanaugh, it's been five years. Today in 2018, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed by a a 50 to 48 vote he was sworn in hours later. That was the, mo- the narrowest vote in 150 years in nominees to the Supreme Court. Former, <laughs> former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is holding on with her by her nails, her fingernails, I think. She was uh, on an interview yesterday on CNN with uh, Christine Amapour. She was calling on this interview, she was calling for a systemic deprogramming of Donald Trump's MAGA cult members. These are her words. Clinton acknowledged that the former president will likely be the Republican Party's presidential nominee. So she was telling the CNN crowd that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. It looks like it will be. But Clinton said Trump's negative, I'm quoting her, negative nasty form of politics resonates with his supporters because they may not like immigrants. They are homophobic. They are racist. And they are misogynistic. In other words, the people that vote for Trump don't like anybody but Trump. They don't like immigrants. They don't like homosexuals they don't like racist and they're and they are that and they're misogynistic they don't like women she probably can't even define what a woman is most of the people on the left can't it's a classic tale of an authoritarian populist who really has a grip on the emotional psychological needs and desires of a portion of the population she said she said that is the saga of trump 
And she said the base of the Republican Party, for whatever combination of reasons, it's emotional and psychological, sees in him someone who speaks for them. They are determined that they will continue to vote for him, attend his rallies, wear his merchandise, because for whatever reason, he and his very negative, nasty form of politics resonates with them. This is a woman speaking from the Democratic Party community who sues and charges people with crimes and all kinds of things because they can't actually win elections without tampering with them and destroying the candidates that they'll run against. She said, maybe they don't like migrants. She said, maybe they don't like gay people. Maybe they don't like black people. Maybe they don't like women who got the promotion at work that they didn't get. Whatever the reason, she said, you know, Make America Great Again was a bid for nostalgia to return to a place where people couldn't be in charge of their lives. They couldn't feel empowered. They couldn't say what they want, insult whoever came in their way. And that was really attractive to a significant portion of the Republican base. (laughs) So it is like a cult. And somebody has to break that momentum And that's why I believe Joe Biden will defeat him, she says. We're quoting, if you just tuned in, we're quoting Hillary Clinton yesterday on CNN. Hopefully then, that will be the end. The fever will break. Republicans can try to get back to fighting about issues and elect people who are at least responsible and accountable. Do we have a responsible and accountable president in the Oval Office today? Nobody thinks so. Not even Hillary. She said we've had a very strong we've had very strong partisans in both parties in the past. We've had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control, climate change, the economy, taxes. But she said there wasn't this little tale of extremism wagging the dog of the Republican Party as it is today. Well, if you've ever wondered how the people on the left think of you as a Republican, if you are, now you know. That's what they think. These are the same people that are calling for unity in America. We've got to come together. We've got to, we've got to bridge our differences. How does that work when a very prominent woman in the Democrat Party on the left is out there continuing to say those kinds of things about those of us who are Republicans or vote Republican. I'm not a Republican. I'm a, I'm a Christian. But I vote Republican because generally the candidates in the Republican Party are much better than the alternative. I think a lot of people feel that way. I remember Mike Pence, is, who's not doing well in his run for president. He's like 2% or something. But I remember Mike Pence made the case when he became vice president. He said, I'm not a, I'm not a Republican first. He said, I'm a Christian first. And he listed a few things. And then he said, I'm a Republican. <clears throat> and he was putting it in perspective. And I appreciated that. I agreed with it, in fact. But a lot of people today are asking, what what's going on? And where is this going to lead us as a nation, as a people, as an individual? 
What does our future look like? Well, the Bible is very clear about that. The Bible talks about Jesus himself talked about perilous times and the end times and what they would look like. There would be all kinds of things happening. But overall, you can pretty much define it as an era of chaos. And I think we're living in those times today. I don't know if Victor Davis Hanson knows that. I don't know what his spiritual commitments are, but he's a brilliant historian. And he was talking to Tucker Carlson the other night. Carlson was asking him questions about the future. What do you think? What does it look like to you as a historian, one of the highly recognized historians in our nation? He said it's going to be scary if they win because that means they'll probably take the House, the entire Congress, and there won't be any redress of grievances. That's the upcoming election in 2024. He said, but I don't think they will because they won't have any popular support because every single one of Joe Biden's issues, economy, crime, energy, foreign policy, the border, he said he's polling about 30 to 40 percent. He said the only way they're retaining power is through the legal system and the administrative state and our institutions like media and entertainment, sports, education. He said K through 12 and universities. He said it's a kind of an artificial way of getting power without popular consent. He said, that's why I think that we're right on when you said you didn't believe in, that they don't believe in democracy. And Tucker Carlson had been talking before that and had been saying he didn't think that the the left believes in democracy. I would agree with that. I don't think they do at all. They don't, certainly don't, they try not to practice it. They just use it as a vehicle. But they, I don't think they believe in it at all because they're always saying democracy is a flawed idea and so on. They're always attacking democracy. And yeah, it is a flawed idea. All human plans and all human uh, systems are flawed. It is only God, his word, and the kingdom of God that is a perfect system, if you want to use that word. He said, so we'll see, Hansen said. He said, we'll see. It's going to be very explosive. He said, I hope everybody can keep their head. I think he was talking about they're getting real crazy and going out in the streets. And there could, I've talked with my wife about this. I haven't said a lot about it publicly, but I, I fear that over the next, you know, 10 to 18 months, I fear that this could get out of hand in a terrible way. And I pray it does not. There are, We're at a boiling point in America. There's anger. There's frustration. There's fear. And the people... The people on the left are, are stirring up the fear. And I, I know I can't say that without sounding at least to some like it's just a political statement. But it isn't. It's more than that. A pastor's heart, a Christian's heart. I, I'm concerned about where they're taking us with all of this stuff. I, I know Trump is very flawed. We all know that, and Hillary's, I mean, Hillary's description of the people that voted for Trump is about as far aw- far away from the truth as you can get. There are a few extremists out there, and they're always on the news because that's what the news is looking for. That's what the news wants to talk about. 
So they, they run that endlessly, like a loop every night. It's a different faces or whatever, but it's the same story. It's characterizing anyone who's conservative, Christians, politically conservative people, people who voted for Trump, people who go to his rallies, whatever. They keep characterizing those people as extremists. And there are a few, just enough for them to get videos of it and run it on the nightly news. And all the little local people across the country, And I've been in the newsroom, I spent 12 years in there. Not doing the news, but in there with them, doing a daily TV show on network stations. The same crew that produced my show produced the news. And I know the discussion, and it's deliberate, and it's gotten worse since I was in there. I know what they do. They just they pick up the bits and pieces that uh, puts forward an agenda, and, and you can drive anywhere in the country. Or you could be in any community. And if you check what the local news people are saying, they're saying the same thing in, in, in the Northeast as they are in the Northwest. Because they're all getting their feed from a, just a very, very few sources. Newspaper, print newspapers are the same way, except they get their feed generally from Associated Press because a number of media organizations own Associated Press. And it's a clearinghouse, so they create the stories, and these other stations, particularly the ones that own them, in large markets, they produce the story, and then the little markets, it just trickles down. The little markets pick up the same story. They can't afford to hire reporters to go out and do all the the homework and the study and the research and everything day in and day out. It's a lot of work. But that's why we hear this echo across America and you keep hearing it, and you keep hearing it, and people that are uninformed, then they begin to say, man, you know, I, I'm just hearing this everywhere. I mean, even our local, you know, station in my town, the radio station, the TV station, they've been saying this too. I mean, there must be something to this. That's the way it goes, and that's the ripple effect. That's the echo that we hear across the nation today, and they control the media, the left. And that's why it's very difficult, and that's why... Hillary can go on CNN and go on and on and on about the left, about the right, and and define us. And we do not have a voice. If we're on, and I mean we just collectively, if we're on the the media, it's a set. They they parse it so that they can undermine the, the the value of what you're saying, and in the end they can cast the person, whomever they are. It doesn't matter who they are whether it's Ronald Reagan or Ronald XYZ, they can cast those words as something very different than what they're saying. And this happens day in and day out. The media is the drumbeat to which all of these people on the left march. Sal Alinsky would be very, very happy and very pleased and very proud of what's happening in the culture today. So would Karl Marx. Victor Davis Hanson said, he said, we have no idea about this election because we're never, we've never had a presidential a president running against an ex-president. And he said, number two, he said, we've never had an, an incumbent president who is utterly corrupt like Joe Biden and has lost all or most of his cognitive ability. And he said, and he's very unpopular. 
And he said, yet we've never had a challenger who has been the victim of lawfare and is facing 91 indictments. Every time people say they won't, they wouldn't dare do this, he said, like, Fannie Willis wouldn't dare do this, or Lalita James is an absurd prosecutor, or Alvin Bragg is a buffoon, and Jack Smith is a partisan. These are all players in this march against Trump and all these 91, these 91 indictments. But they do it anyway. He talked to Carlson for some time about that and explained how they do it and the fact that they do it, and they do. He said, you can see where we're headed, where Joe Biden isn't really a viable president anymore. He's a construct. He said, he's been using, he's been used by the hard left, by the Obamas, the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders squad. He said, that wing of the Democrat Party. And he said, it's getting to the point of like a caricature. It's like a cartoon. He said, you put all those things together and add in a Kamala Harris that frightens everybody because we've never had such an incompetent vice president. He said, I think, and he said, so unfit to be president. He said, all bets are off. It's like putting all sorts of ingredients of explosives into a kind of a a device and it's going to blow up, I think, somehow. But I don't know. I don't think we can predict what's going to happen. He said, it's just too volatile. I think the left feels that they want to push the envelope. They take, they want to take the leading Republican candidate and create charges against him, which they know they won't, they would never lodge if if he hadn't been running for president. They'll just left him alone. So these are patently political, and he said they want to destroy him psychologically, financially, and of course politically, and they think they can get away with it without pushback. Victor Davis Hanson said, "We'll see." I agree with him. He's wiser than I am on these matters, but I agree. We'll see. It's very, very troubling if you love your country and if you certainly want to see God's will in our culture. It's concerning where we're going. I think what he said is a legitimate argument to make because he's right. He said, I don't think the founders had this in mind. He said, this is their worst nightmare, the 2023-24 presidential election. There's more, but that's the conversation that's out there in our culture today. Where do we turn? What do we do? American Bible Society's 13th Annual State of the Bible Report, they published it the other day, it's through 2022, I think, but it was just published. They found that Americans who are hostile toward God's word still value biblical behavior. They found that very interesting and almost conflicting. I did too. I read it twice. I thought, well, it's just me. There's something here I'm missing. But they said our research, the Bible, American Bible Society, said our research shows that even those Americans who are most hostile toward the Bible value biblical behaviors like loving your neighbor, caring for the creation, and they overstate the caring for creation a, a bit, quite a bit. But anyway, the welcoming the stranger, they're misled on that as well, I would add. But anyway, the, the American Bible Society put that in their in their statement. The study also revealed a conflict 
in beliefs about the Bible, which provides an opportunity to share Christ with the conflicted. That's what struck me when I read this. I thought, man, this is a great opportunity to engage people in conversations. And sometimes, and I, in your letters, you'll say, you know, I wish there was more I could do in support of this ministry. And I understand and thank you for your support. And by the way, we are totally funded by the support of the listeners, the people that believe in what we're doing and believe it's effective. And there are those that listen who don't believe in what we're doing. In fact, they probably say there, if they say prayers, they probably say prayers that will not be able to do it sometime. But, and I, we hear from them, but not often, not often. They're pretty quiet, but we, we get some resistance. And uh, so, but those who listen and believe in what we're doing here and find help and value in it, support us. And I want to thank all of you who do, because I'm very transparent about it. I wouldn't be here without you. And we started, you know, some years ago now with this program. And and, and my thought and my conversation with those close to me, I just said, hey, I'm, we're going to do this. I feel like God wants me to do it. And if the people will support it, we'll do it for, you know, a month, a year, whatever. And so we continue because those of you who believe in it, write a check each month. And I am very aware of the support and your feelings and the comments you make, the notes. I read them all. And I just want to thank you so much because we would not be here without your support. We have no other source of support for this ministry. So thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98. 009, box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can contribute online on our website, faithandfreedom.us. What I'm talking about today, about this Bible Society report that they put out, is on there. I wrote an article about it today, in fact, that you can look at it, and there's a lot more information. You, the links are there. But this Dr. John Plake, he's the uh, with the American Bible Society. He uh, wrote kind of a little bit of a commentary uh, out of the study that they just published this week. He said, when the American Bible Society was founded in 1816, millions of people around the world were experiencing what historians have come to call the year without a summer. He said several climate abnormalities caused lower temperatures that led to food shortages and failing crops. He said people's livelihoods were on the verge of collapse. More than 200 years later, he said in 2020, we experienced another year without a summer. He said that that year was a year marked by social distance, uncertainty, and loss. He's talking about the pandemic. But he said the news isn't all bad. New research shows that more Americans than ever are turning to the Bible as a result of this. And their 11th annual State of the Bible report found that over 181 million Americans opened a Bible in the past year, compared to 169 million adults in 2020, just in 24 months. This year marks the sharpest rise in Bible engagement that we've ever seen since beginning reporting in 2011. He said one in one in six U.S. adults, 16%, now reads the Bible most days during the week. That's up from one in eight, 12%, in 2020. So why are these Americans turning to God's word? Well, the data suggests they want to be closer to God. That was 
one of the, in fact, the most uh, comment. They want to be closer to God. They reported seeking comfort and wisdom as they read. The majority say they feel comforted, peaceful, encouraged, and hopeful as they read the Bible. Encouragingly, he says, and I agree with this, 95 million Americans are what they call, the American Bible Society calls it, test driving the Bible. They're checking it out to see if they want to read it. I think that's good. I mean, it sounds a little negative on the surface, but I think that's a good thing because the Bible is a powerful, powerful book. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's the word of the Lord. It's the word of God. And if people start to read it for whatever reason, the Bible, it's a sword and it's two-edged. It'll pierce the darkness and pierce the lack of knowledge and so on. And the, the God will touch people's lives reading the Bible. They don't need to go to seminary to learn how to you know, draw from the Bible. So it, I think it's very encouraging, but 95 million Americans are test driving the Bible. They're checking it out. He said, we call that group, the Bible Society, we call it the movable middle. He said, these Bible users, users are even friendly, either friendly or neutral towards the Bible, but they are not yet committed. This group has jumped from 26% of the population to 37% just in the past 12 months. Very, very interesting because what that says, obviously, is that people are looking for answers and they're not finding answers, which brings me to time after time after time. We talk about this on the program, and I, I hope I know there's pastors listening to this program because I hear from them, but um, I, I hope that as pastors and people who have a platform to speak to many people, and not everyone does, most people don't have that platform, but to those who do in the the pulpit, for goodness sake, people are looking for answers. And if we get up there and do these cute little sermons on whatever, that is not where this culture is today. And that is, I don't believe that's God's will. God is wanting to speak to, to these, the fears and the anxieties of people today. And, and the only answer to this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of the Lord, the Bible. And we need that more than ever before. And they're, ta- they're making this case the about the movable middle. They said these are people who are identified as appreciating Christianity, but not necessarily being a participant. They're just found to be apathetic about Bible values. They think they're great but they don't have any relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He said this group is more likely to consider the biblical behavior surveyed, including welcoming immigrants, befriending people, other races, just get along, let's all be one. I mean, there's a lot of confusion in that. I mean, the left doesn't even know what a what the stranger is that's talked about in the New Testament but and, and the Old. But other parts of the survey support this. So I would encourage you to, if you want to take a look at this, there's a lot of information there. It's on our website, faithandfreedom.us. But the Hebrew and Christian scriptures provided the American founders with intellectual and spiritual resources that would shape the the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, and all of that. Our country exists today because of the Bible and people that believed in it. Thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday.